Andy, you did end up seeing uh, Inland Empire. I know you said you weren't sure if you'd be able to. I did end up seeing Inland Empire, yes. I went out to my local art house theater, the Little Theater. <laughs> Shout out to the Little Theater. Uh, and they were showing the new restoration. So I got a chance mm-hmm. to see that. The thing I was particularly curious about was like mm-hmm. what you made of the dialogue because it felt like he was sort of like reckoning with like mid 20th century theater dialogue in Mm -hmm. like a way that is sort of like a part of his like reckoning with uh americana project yeah it's interesting i sort of i reference this in my letterbox review a lot that like it did often have the tone to me of like open scenes which if you're anyone's anyone who's done any acting training is maybe familiar with these, which are scenes which where it's just like A, B, A, B, and it's like, hello, I didn't see you there. Come closer. Mm-hmm. Like, And it's like, there's no like context or anything, and so then you, you work with a scene partner, and you like come up with, like, okay, what are the actions we could be doing during this, or whatever, like, and it's like an acting exercise to, like, show mm-hmm. like, how you can tell story beyond dialogue and that sort of thing. So, like, a lot of that sort of had that impression to me, as of, like, we're, we're definitely, like, missing a certain amount of context for, like, what's going on. Right, and, and I mean, um, some of it is, like, we're getting these, like, contextless scenes from the right. movie within the movie that then, like, gets blurred into what we're watching. Yeah. I, like, and the, you know, the Thoreau-Dern stuff, especially, was, like, where I was right. getting that. Yeah, and I think, like, that was my favorite stuff, like, the Thoreau-Dern dynamic. Um, yeah. You know, and I can be very sensitive to dialogue, like, dial- like you know pointless or bad dialogue or whatever can be really irritating to me. I didn't really have that too much. I mean, it's like a long movie and I was a little, it was, I had to work the full day. Like I'd come directly from work and like, Mm -hmm. there were definitely points where I was like, okay, like let's, let's get, let's get the show on the road. Let's wrap this up or whatever. Like, yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, like it definitely like feels purposeful and of a piece and like, it's, yeah, I think, you know, it, it allows it definitely allows for this like big expressionistic acting style that I think he mm-hmm. mines very well and like is very effectively deployed throughout the movie I think yeah all right well welcome to can I kick it this is a podcast about film festivals my name is Jesse Catherine Weber and I'm joined by Andy Gramuga Colin Ashley. Number one, Kane Stanton. <laughs> Emilio wow. Diaz. All right. I think that's the first time that I've gotten that right since I came back. So sure. that was good. <laughs> I mean, you've only done it like two times. Yeah, right? sure. <laughs> I did, yeah, I did it wrong twice, and third time's the charm. Great. Uh, So, yeah, Emilio's back from Cannes. Millie went to Cannes and all he got is this lousy COVID infection. Wow. <laughs> well, do you not want to talk about that? I'm sorry, we don't have to talk no, about it. No, I want mean, to talk about it. <laughs> I, I, I do not care if you talk about it or not. I am just, uh, 
I, I'm just mulling how accurate a statement you might have made. But no, do I don't think it's very accurate. But uh, <laughs> we can continue. I'm back, yes. people. I saw a movie that can. I was at the Cannes Film Festival. I have thoughts. Maybe we'll get to them. Maybe we won't. Yeah, I think we you will. You went to Cannes and saw a bunch of movies, and we're not going to talk about it on our Cannes podcast. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. we'll talk about we're gonna them. We're going to talk about the we're, we're going to talk about the yeah, exclusively. Yeah, we're going to talk about my thoughts on the movies. I don't know if we'll get to my thoughts on the experience of being at the Cannes Film Festival. I mean, that's as I think we've relevant. got time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I imagine you know. it will be it will be addressed at some point in the coming weeks, if not today, but probably today. Yeah, I think so. I do have. I guess I'll just very quickly go over my one piece of news that is not just like a can acquisition, sure, or something like that that'll get integrated into the body of the podcast, uh, which is that uh, there is a new. Christy Puliu film in uh, post-production. Of course, mm-hmm. our old friend from Malmkrog. Yeah. Um, it's, it yeah. got like a round of funding at uh, from FID Marseille, which is a festival that's going to happen in July that actually would like to... I, I'm curious what their lineup looks like. I feel like they had some stuff last year that like sounded interesting though that i haven't had a chance to catch up with yet uh like haru harasan's recorder um somebody called beatrix uh but anyway so they got this round of funding i guess to like finish up with post i would imagine we're not gonna see it this year a because the thing says they're expecting it to be like two and a half, a little over two and a half hours, so I'd imagine it might, I don't know what his post-process is like, but I would imagine just because of that, it's a little on the longer side. Also because the logical place would be Venice, which is like, A, a weird fit for him and not a festival that he has been to, but B, he also was going to be on the Venice jury in 2020, as I believe we talked about at the time, and then uh, mysteriously stepped down and was replaced by Matt Dillon uh, after a screening of Malmkrog in Romania, during which he suggested that mask mandates in movie theaters are fascist. Uh, mm-hmm. Which that particular thing, given what we've heard from Emilio about Cannes already, probably not a problem in Europe, but I'm just... I would imagine that even though he seemed to step right. down fairly amicably, it seems somewhat likely that either Venice would not be interested in having him there, or he would not be interested in uh, showing his film at Venice. Sure. And so just, like, also, like, Berlin is just, like, that's where Mount Krug was, and that seemed to work. So, like, sure. I assume he'll just be at Berlin next year. Uh, I don't know if they would... I, I wouldn't think they would have him open Encounters again. I don't know if he would be there if they'd put him in competition this time. The movie does also... It's, like, about a... It's, like, a very... Romanian New Levy, just like there's a woman who's a therapist and she's having trouble with her family, but it does sound like there is also a uh, COVID element to the plot. 
so curious how that goes for him. Yeah. How she his... wears a mask and chokes to death. <laughs> how his thought? I. It sounds like it's like a thing. It's like the the thing where like you're waiting for a test result and you're not sure if you have it. So like sure. I don't know. That's like an interesting thing to put in a movie that is sure. relevant. But like curious to see how his thoughts on the situation yeah. have perhaps evolved or will if, Woody Harrelson uh, be in this movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the question. I mean, he would have had to have shot it already, but we'll see. Right. Uh, but yeah, if we're going to get into can, I think, so it sounds like what we're going to do is just kind of like first, follow up on what we did last week, which is just go through the movies that had not premiered uh, on the screen grid. I guess we can do bottom to top again. Yeah. um, Of what hasn't premiered. Then we're going to go through the awards, then just like other stuff from Emilio from other sections. Um, So, uh, we've got Two more movies at 1.9, just above the bottom, which is 1.8, the Valeria Bruni Tedeschi, uh, from yeah. major director. I'm heavy, yeah, some heavy hitters. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> prize winners, um, even. We'll talk about the prizes later, yeah. I guess, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's just start with Stars at Noon. Uh, I don't know, you, you saw it, Emilio. <laughs> what do you think? Um, Stars at Noon is a funny one. Stars at Noon is good, but it's also very normal, I think, which is a problem, <laughs> which is a problem with, I think, a lot of movies in competition, which is like my, one of my grand overall takes on why I think people have been reacting like sort of met and weirdly to this competition lineup is that it's just a bunch of movies that are just very normal. And I think competition at can is not a place that rewards being like all right Mm -hmm. or like competent i think they prize big swings and i mean i've talked about it in different places but it's just like yeah it's sort of like a late it sort of it sort of feels like a late period man movie like you can see it fit in with some Mm -hmm. of like soderbergh's weirder stuff like if you if you're like talking about something like che or haywire or something along those lines like (laughs) (laughs) um i don't think it's as good as that i don't think it's as good as that kind of stuff like you can feel some Denny touches like it's like there's a lot of very open sexuality um there's you can f- there's like a lot of shots of there's like a lot of shots of bodies but it's a lot less lingering it it moves a lot quicker than i think a lot of our mo- movies do but also slower than the other than the like the manny movie that i'm that i'm talking about so it sort of exists in a weird mm-hmm. middle ground i think the thing that most makes it not feel like a Claire Denis movie is that Margaret Qualley is like Margaret Qualley it, it basically makes every Denis performance ever feel like they were in slow motion Margaret Qualley is just like mile a minute talking <laughs> to everybody just like wheeling and dealing trying to make things happen be like talking in Spanish one second talking in English the other second That's like, crazy. like trying to have sex with this guy so she pay, he pays her like enough money so she can go like get a coffee and go to this hotel or whatever she she's just like doing a lot it's like mm-hmm. it's sort of fascinating to me why Denis would even pick to do that or like why this is her approach even. so she I believe she said she was at K 
Japan in 2019, and she was, like, already working on this script, and she saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and she was like, it's gotta be her. That's sick. Uh, which is, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the thing is, like, it's, like, it's the character out, like, I can't imagine, like, if they, like... Like I'm talking about Quali's performance, obviously, but it's like I I don't think if some other like French actor would have played it, I don't think they would have played it a lot more slower. It's like a fast-paced character right. trying to wheel uh-huh. and deal, but she particularly does yeah. play it pretty manic, and obviously she has like uh-huh. these very like round like like <laughs> she she sort of even reads more manic, just like f- facial features wise than a lot of people. Uh, sure. Joe Alwyn is weird in it. I think he's like, I think he's kind of good. I think a lot of people gave him a lot of shit of, of just like, the, oh, this movie's supposed to be a romance and he's like sort of giving nothing, which I think that's like a weird take on the movie. Uh, I think people, I think if you went into that movie being like, this should be a sweeping romance, like why isn't there sparks? I think that like, that is not the level at which the movie is operating. I think it has a much more complicated understanding of what that relationship is. Again, mm-hmm. sort of like a like Miami Vice or something like that, but uh, mm-hmm. John C. Riley is in it on Zoom for like uh-huh. one scene. Wow! <laughs> yeah, so that was the thing that I feel like people were surprised by, and that I was surprised by. I haven't read all of the book that it's based on, but I was reading some of it, and uh, he updated it to make it take place during COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like qual- Which I didn't think about Zoom calls and like there's like a lot right. of mask wearing yeah, in it, right? Quali like Quali's wearing a mask during a lot of it. You can see her like walk into buildings and being asked to like go take like a temperature test and stuff like that. It's like very much set during COVID. Which like it- a bubble. Well, sure. I mean, the thing Shut is, up. it is just generally a I think a very like I have I guess I've not read the book, but it is very weird to like transpose the circumstances of like 1980s peak civil war Nicaragua into a modern setting but the COVID stuff Mm -hmm. is I think one of the few things that does work about that transposing because I do think she is trying to make a point about like white people just like vacationing places and not giving a fuck about like the circumstances that they're sort of putting the the people who are like working at these places under so it's like weird but the COVID Mm -hmm. stuff I do think works but the general like tone and pitch of like the surroundings is a little weird i think uh how's benny safty benny safty is uh it's a real like you could have gotten anybody to do this performance and he does it all right at best like you probably you probably you probably could have found like 19 character actors who would have put a spin on that character he like comes in towards sort of the end of like the last like third of the movie as like a sort of surprise reveal like shady per- <laughs> shady person and he's playing it like real normal which is I think like what she wants like she kind of wants the guy to like seem sort of unflappable but it's just like it's it's just too nothing it's just like too down the middle it's just like that character needs to have something going on and it just doesn't and I don't fully know if to like blame the script in the video or to blame Safty, but like it's just very like like you probably should have just cast somebody who just like is a pro and knows how to throw a couple lines in there. Uh, right. mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I will say that, like, I mean, there's, like, a bunch of, there's a couple of podcasts that, like, people were at Canon put out a bunch of episodes. I did specifically, which I haven't listened to most of, I did specifically think that, um, on the last thing I saw, uh, Nicholas Rapold and Jordan Cronk's discussion of this movie particularly, also some other movies that we'll get to, was really interesting just from the perspective of liking Denis and liking this movie but just being like it is weird that she made this and like she's Claire Denis she's clearly making choices but like every choice is like this is not the choice you expect Claire Denis to make yeah that that uh, yeah that's I, also, that's I think what I, yeah. I was trying to get at was like the reaction to it is that I think it's like I I think like in a vacuum it is like a pretty good movie but if you think about it, it's like I am going to watch the new Claire Denis movie, one of like French cinema's master hypnotists, mm-hmm. like like a, right. a master of portraying like bodies and sexuality and desire. Like I can understand a thousand percent understand watching this movie and being upset. Like that's not what you're getting here. And like right. or, and like you vaguely get some of that stuff. Obviously, you can always read that into mm-hmm. her work into like some of the shot choices. But it's like a lot less just like slow moving and like contemplative and hypnotic in a lot of her work which is like disappointing uh-huh. obviously sure the other the other thing uh jordan compared it to almost to like um english language antonioni which was funny of just like seeing it and being like well this is good but the vibe is very weird and it is obvious that people are going to hate this um so yeah, that was good. Um, the other movie that is on that uh, one point nine is uh, Broker, the Hirokazu Koreeda, which uh, I don't know. It just sounds like it is. People were hoping that it he'd be back and it would be more of a shoplifters, and it sounds like more of a, a the truth. Yeah, uh, I know a like, lot of um, like English critics liked it. Um, English the country or English English as in from England Um, okay (laughs) and uh, obviously it won an award for its lead Mm -hmm. performance Um, Uh, I feel like I heard that it's not even like that much of a lead performance it's like a very ensemble movie sure I mean that was levied against shoplifters as well Um, but uh, can I say that walking around Cannes like one night I did see uh, Song Kang Ho sort of disheveled like smoking a cigarette outside of a place and it was a very fun sight. <laughs> did you see Broker? Yeah, no, I did not. That was a okay. weird movie in that just like to everybody I was talking to, a lot of people were very excited to watch that. Like <clears throat> Sorry. Um, like it felt like there was like a heavy Korean contingent at Cannes just because of the two movies and a lot of like people made a, the trip out to try and watch those. And sure. uh, and I feel like mm-hmm. and I feel like before Broker like the, the premiere I felt like I knew a lot of people who were like desperately trying to get in and desperately looking for tickets to it and I feel like after it mm-hmm. premiered I heard almost nothing about it. Well, yeah, there was also um, yeah the K-pop star IU is in it. Yeah, um, yes. and that was like a thing of <coughs> watching a can stream for the awards where all the mm-hmm. comments were just like give IU an award IU 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 <laughs> like yeah 
Yeah, it was weird. It was. Well, I guess we can get to this. We like didn't think we were gonna be able to watch it, and then like some weird like yeah. brute was yeah. streaming it on YouTube. It was very strange. We have uh, to. Well, we'll yeah. do a full oral history of our Twitter space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So then we've got uh, what is next? Two point three. At two point three. Yeah, another movie that Emilio saw. Layla's Brothers by Saeed Rustai. Uh, yeah, I weirdly got a ticket to a premiere to the premiere of it at the Lumiere, which I sat down like last second, like as the like production company logos were starting up. I got a weird like very towards the site towards the side seat for it enough that like a speaker was blocking like a small corridor of the screen but luckily sure. mm-hmm. the two girls next to me who were just texting throughout the entirety and then left an hour in left so I could I got to move seats <laughs> and watch the entire movie unobstructed I mean here's what I'll say about Ken I expected it lots of people pulling their phones out lots of people just like talking coughing just uh Weird lack of etiquette, but uh, we can get to that later. So yeah, for how much? Yeah, for how much they put on? Like you gotta wear, you gotta like dress nice or whatever. Like yeah, that's what we're right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so I got like a weird last minute ticket, and I got the ticket so last minute that I did not even know what I was really sitting down for. I thought I was sitting down for the Darden movie, and then ten minutes in, <laughs> I learned that I was watching Layla's Brothers instead, and I uh, thought it was pretty good. It's like. Leaning on the social realism a lot, which I know that, like, that's just, like, some people are just in or out for some of that stuff. I've sure. never seen a Farhadi. I know some people, like, compared it to that kind of a thing. I do. I truly have no basis mm-hmm. of, of reference for that kind of thing. I thought the dialogue was pretty good. It, like, moved. It, like, sets up, basically, I guess, I don't know if we've talked about what the movie's about. But, uh... I think so. It's basically about, I guess, Layla, who is this, like he's like the she's like the daughter of this family where she has four brothers and she's kind of the only figured out one and her brothers are all kind of like weird fuck-ups in different ways like one of them like one of them is sort of figured out but he just got like hit the factory where he works just let a bunch of people go and then the other brothers are more like normal fuck-ups and she's like you should go to this place and like open a shop so you all have a place to work and like have a way to build your future and we can get this family out of poverty and then the basically the movie is like about the like the trial and errors of trying to get something like that going and just like all the way that goes fucked up it like fucks up and goes wrong because like there's like weird money issues and then like there's weird legal issues and then there's like this separate issue with their father who like wants to be like the patriarch of like the wider family but nobody in the wider family wants them to be because everybody knows that they're all like his side his like corner of the family is very poor and broke Mm -hmm. but he like basically mortgages the entire family's future to be able to give up appearances and it's just like i don't know for i feel like my issue when I watch a lot of social realist type movies is that they tend to be like very like vibey and just like they just want to like sit in circumstances and not be about much and not like give characters enough like personality to breathe and talk and I think Lalo Brothers actually does a pretty good job of just like 
you get all of these people's personalities they get to be funny they get to be entertaining the movie like finds enough pl- plot machinations to remain like tense and sort of exciting and like it it, it like moves more than like it's ru- it's like two hour mm. 40 something runtime would suggest yeah. like i'm not saying it's short but i do think it moves a bit i was like pretty pleasantly surprised by it yeah, it's like interesting. I was I was very interested to hear that you had liked it because I felt like they're like reviews. I mean, it's it didn't do great on this particular like grid, but I felt like reviews were like fairly warm. But I'd seen like a bunch of people just on forums being like, "I hate this." I walked out. I fell asleep, and so uh, and those would have probably mostly been European people for what it's worth. Um, so I don't know. That's interesting. Um, I don't know. I'm like interested to see it. It's not. It's one of the movies that still doesn't have distribution that I would imagine winning a prize, which it didn't, might have helped. Um, right. But uh, so okay. At two point four, we've got two movies. Uh, first, I'll just very briefly say uh, you didn't see Mother and Son, right, Emilio? Uh, no, I did not. No, this Final. is the the Leonor Sarai movie. Uh, I think uh, she was the like late breaking French edition. Um, I think a sec. I think a second film. Um, uh, and yeah, just like it, you know. I mean, like a two point. You know, this is out of four. A two point four isn't bad. I feel like I saw some pretty fairly warm reviews, and it's just like. Uh, it played at the end of the festival and everyone had left and no one really heard anything about it, so I don't know. Uh, it sounds like it's fine to good. Um, uh, I I do wonder just, like, what its life uh, is gonna look like going forwards and, like, how much playing it the, being the last movie might have hurt it or if, like, it might end up like, doing well at TIFF or something like that. I don't know. Um, but then the other 2.4 movie, uh, which uh, we can get Amelia's take on now, is Lucas Dantz Close. Hold for applause. <laughs> <sighs> oh, Close. First of all, I'd like to talk about you're talking about the people in the like awards watch forum or whatever being like so mm-hmm. like I had to leave say uh, uh, Layla's brothers, and it's like you'd be surprised how many people you find at can who are just like yeah was not into that left early and just like yeah I mean that's like fam- like can is sort of famous for but I do think one of the things that you notice and I think you realize quickly about can is just like it's obviously like a destination location for a lot of people and i think a lot mm. of people approach the festival with the feeling of like if i'm not having a good time i'm leaving and i'm finding something else to do i'm in the south of france i could go to the beach and do something nice there's no there's nothing keeping me in this theater and mm-hmm. but i mean like people do that at tiff too and that's maybe more out of just a like there are so many movies here i can go see something else at least if you're uh press yeah, but I think at TIFF it happens a lot less. At at 
I mean, I think it happens more at press screenings. Yeah. TIFF press and industry screenings. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I guess that's just the nature of everyone seeing movies at can being accredited so it's all it's right it's people haven't yeah. put down money for a ticket to a movie yes. for, at the, for well the, like, a the lot of people to like the lumiere screenings just if you they just stand outside with a sign saying i would like two tickets to this thing and those people do not need to be accredited if they, somebody gives you a ticket to the thing you can just walk up and then right. enter the screening with the ticket but again they haven't invested money in it right like no but uh i'd argue standing yeah. outside for hours there it's like sure. i would rather pay money but i mean i assume those aren't the people who are walking out i don't know maybe maybe not i do think there is there is just like <laughs> a lot of like i this is just a general feeling of can that i think certainly people have talked about existing in other sort of industry hubs of just people being like people always looking for what the better cooler thing to do at any given moment is like people will be at a can screening with right. their phone at, phone out on the ticket website looking <laughs> if there is a looking if there are screenings for better movies popping up where it's just like i feel like you're i feel like those people are never watching movies i'm just saying that this as a mm-hmm. preamble to say that everybody on the on these like can group chats and i talked to on the street fucking loved close which uh <laughs> Which to say, I fucking hated Close. I think it's a terrible film. I think it's a artless piece of like <laughs> in, in, like incredibly like untasteful. Like you can feel it trying to wring every piece of emotion out of you with every single shot. Um, it's try every single second of it is trying to be a tearjerker. Um, it's trying to suggest that it has profundity. It does not. Um, it is working so hard for all for all of this emotion that I do generally think it like becomes like gross, gross and exploitative of certain things that happen to it. That I guess I don't know if I want to get into here because I don't know if I want to like spoil the movie, even though it's also like the premise of the movie. Right, I you I certainly know what happens in this movie. I, I'll uh, say the very general premise that doesn't that, that doesn't have the spoiler of it is that it's like sort of about mm-hmm. these two kids who are like very they're very close, and they're and they're presented as being like <laughs> wait a minute you don't think <laughs> they're like very close friends, but to like a degree where they're like they like sleep in the same bed and they like hold hands to like go to school or whatever and then they like go to the first day of school and then everybody's just like making fun of them and they're like you're gay like you're dumb and just like about and just like treating them like that and it just feels so like it's like i'd almost call it like borderline evil feeling where it's just like you're inventing a dynamic to then to then be like isn't it terrible that people don't get to act this way and it's just like what what are you talking about nobody in real life has ever had this level of relationship like what like i guess that that don is probably trying to make some comment on like oh why are like like masculinity and why people aren't allowed to be like physically close or intimate in that sort of way but it but it's it's just like so ridiculous and overshot that it that it's just it robs the movie of any soul or any or if any, any point that it's gonna make it's like it's like it's like Save Dolan but without being like bratty or like 
interesting. It's just, it's just like <sighs> maximum everything all the time. But that's the kind of thing that I guess plays like gangbusters that can. And I just was yeah. sat in a screening room full of people that absolutely went gaga for it, and I was hating it from frame one. It it like <laughs> abuses shallow focus. It has this like it's like very trying very hard to look good, but it, it just is it just feels like it's trying too hard. It's trying it's going for like this very autumnal color palette that that I said like it feels like when I turn on the thing on my computer that like removes the blue light from my computer. That's what the movie looks like. Yeah, it's not <laughs> filtered by flux. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I just don't think it has anything interesting to say. I, I don't think, and I don't think any of the performances are like specific and nuanced enough to like even get something out of it in that way. Like. The mm -hmm. the main kids are like doing a lot, but it's not it's not anything you haven't seen before. It's like I don't know. I I truly would struggle to think of any part of anything in the movie where I'm like I I think that that is worth everything else you're doing here. Mm hmm. All right. Yeah, I mean, like, for <coughs> my part, that. I was, like, very skeptical based on just what I had heard about his debut film, Girl, uh, and, like, it sounds like, other than the just, like, obvious misguidedness of, uh, casting a, uh, cis male to play a trans girl, uh, it sounds like the issues that people had with that movie are, like, largely not at all alleviated by this one. Um, I will all that to say, what... all that to say, A24 has bought this film, yeah. uh, so we're This is one where I will say the, the tone and the volume of the negative reaction instantly became way more annoying than the movie possibly could be in my head. No like, way. it just felt like everyone was deciding that anyone who saw any value in this movie was like a bad evil person and i like that sort of shit drives me absolutely crazy and just like the judgment of like anyone who found anything in on, on in certain circles i just found really really absolutely mind i don't know like, it's like crazy it's like i'm saying i think it, i think the film is borderline gross in its depiction of certain things like uh i guess i will just say it I guess you can skip, like, a minute or two if you do not want to be spoiled at all for Close. But, like, 20 minutes into Close, it's like, these kids these kids are, like, they're ba being made fun of for their relationship. And one of the kids basically decides, like, I don't want to be made fun of anymore, so I'm, like, going to pick up hockey and I'm going to sort of, like, try and move away from my friend and be, like we can't be this close friends and, like, you can go over there and do your own thing. And they eventually get in a fight. And the sec then the second kid who's get like getting shunned eventually commits suicide. And sure. the way that is depicted as just like this kid was just like one turn away from his friend from like committing like a very serious like act of self harm towards themselves and of just like, yeah, that's like sort of all it takes, just like your friend shunning you once. And I just like 
I guess, like, as a person who has sometimes struggled with, like, certain, like, mental health issues along those lines, I felt, I found it, like, an incredibly gross way to deal with that sort of thing of just, like, young child, just, like, the su- suicide within young children. And I also think that it's, like, again, like, the, the rest of the movie, a very dumb plot point used only to, like, wring the most amount of emotion out of you at any given second... And I feel like just, I don't know, like, it it just, like, it just, like, rubbed me insanely wrong. And then, like, every single second of how the grief that stems from that is depicted is just, like, at worst, like, very just like trying to like get like provoke a reaction and then like at best something you've seen in like 19 other different movies done better like i truly think like the a thought i had during it was like i think waves have people deal with grief better than <laughs> than close does <laughs> and like that's not well, the company you want to be in yeah um well, I think that's enough on clothes. Yeah. Uh, you can start listening again if you stopped. Um, yeah, if you, uh, if you, if we, so going up, uh, we've got at 2.5, uh, Nostalgia, the Mario Martone film, uh, which is just like, I don't know. It did okay on this grid. I didn't hear a single thing about it. I it's not. Nope. I can't imagine it will get American distribution. It I don't think any anyone yeah, will ever. Yeah, did not. It was like I feel like people were like maybe it'll win actor. I think that actor had one Venice for a Mario Martone a couple of years ago. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I don't think you will. I think even if it had won an award, it probably would not have gotten distribution, and no one would ever hear about it again. Which is not to say it is bad necessarily. Uh, like there, there are people on this grid who think it is good, uh, very good even. But just like yeah, I. And then at two point six, I think this is uh, the one movie that like for some people was the like, oh okay, this is like really exciting and interesting. Uh, which is Albert Sarah's uh, passive. Excuse me, pacifiction. Uh, uh, but that, I think, was just kind of limited by the fact that, like, he is still Albert Sarah. Uh, you know, uh, I've seen Death of Louis the Fourteenth, which, like, you know, I was... It, it, it was years ago that I saw it. I saw it when it was released. I happened to be in New York and saw it filming Lincoln Center, but I was like, okay, this is there's nothing happens in this movie he just dies um and so like i've been curious but somewhat skeptical about like getting back into him since then and like seeing if i get something more out of one of his other movies um so like i don't know like he had another movie after that liberté that was pretty well liked that i never caught up with it sounds like it sounds like this one is like moving in, like, new and interesting directions for him, uh, but is, like, still weird and slow and, like, very, very long. It's 
also like two hours and forty minutes. So yeah, I did. Uh, I did talk like, to somebody on the ground who had seen it, who is one of the few people I talked to again who did seem to have good taste and I did trust. Um, <laughs> who was like, yeah, I know, I know why some people are calling it more accessible than other Sarah, but I don't think I agree. Like other Sarahs mm-hmm. at least have the the point of view that like people are generally familiar with like the era of like French Revolution era stuff. And, and like Passive Fiction is set in like a much m- more contemporary but weird time period that mm-hmm. it just like yeah it sort of throws you off. But he did like it. Yeah, I mean his like those are the the last two movies are the like French Revolutionary time period. Before that, it was like much more. His movies before that were like very literary based. Like he did a movie that was like a riff on Don Quixote. He did a movie that was a riff on the three wise men. Uh, you good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, okay. I think um, it's mentioned that I think the plot of it is like the setting for this one is like nuclear testing around islands in the Caribbean yeah. or something like that. Yeah, and like the the main character is played by Benoit Majimel, who... Uh, one best actor it can years ago for the piano teacher. Um, and yeah, he's like playing like uh, a representative of the French government. He's like some, I, I don't know, it, so, it does sound like very strange. Um, like people were saying that the like third act was kind of lynchian and i was just like oh is this just like people who don't know what to say about a movie that is surreal but then i started hearing people who i are more familiar with like just art house cinema uh saying it too and i was like huh that's interesting maybe there's something to it and it's not just like this is weird i don't know what to do with it uh and then the last movie that we have to get to um which is at 2.7 so that you know i think in a oh we i mean we didn't say last time that tori tori and had had premiered but didn't have a score that's also at 2.7 as well as ao and then the only two movies higher than that are armageddon time at 2.8 and uh decision to leave at 3.2 which is like uh, you know, th- this grid is certainly not representative of the whole festival, but it is like, that's not great. Um, but the other 2.7, uh, which I maybe thought would be higher, uh, is the new Kelly Reichert yeah. film, uh, which does just like reading. I feel like the. She is someone who is like very respected in France, at least, and I assume the rest of Europe, and like has done, does very well in Cahiers Pools, and I feel like this got basically the reception that you would expect from English language critics, uh, with the exception of some people just insisting on being like, I don't know, it's a little bit slight, um... Sure, right, yeah. <laughs> but, <What>? like, it... <laughs> yeah, it, it does feel like it... <laughs> May I maybe would have expected it to be just like more generally embraced by like uh, the general group of people who are at Cannes. Uh, it, you know, it sounds great to me. Um, sure, nothing, sounds like a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Nothing dissuades me from being like, oh yeah, this is probably going to be one of the best movies of the year. 
um, you know, about Michelle Williams as, uh, a sculptor, uh, working at, uh, in Portland, and, uh, Hong Chow is her classmate, uh, and friend, and also landlord, um, John Majora is her brother, sounds like there's a cat, I, I don't know, I, oh, I'm sure good. it's great. Yeah, yeah I, I'm uh, disappointed I couldn't get to it, it was just, like, screening very late, and, like, very weird screening so i mm-hmm. could not make it to make get myself to it but uh no it, it seems great uh everybody yeah, everybody know, you like... everybody i talked to who liked clothes hated showing up so what can you really say <laughs> <laughs> all right um yeah i mean you can read uh a friend of the show friend hoffner's <laughs> review in the rap uh that was a pretty good review i thought uh, yeah, so that's competition. I guess we can get into the awards so, now. The awards were a momentous day. <laughs> we all mm-hmm. remember where we, we were. really going to do this? Jesus. It's going to go quickly. <laughs> um, so Jesse did a Twitter space on her Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there... Former guests of the show were there, and friends of ours were there. Mm-hmm. <coughs> we won't get into the hierarchy of who gets to speak and who didn't. <laughs> Twitter Spaces is we like broken. We have to broken. stop talking about this. Let's move on. No, please. <laughs> Twitter Spaces is like broken, and it's like hard to even see if people are in. And like people yep. were like, "I'm in," but you can't see me, and I'm requesting to speak. <laughs> Emilio was at Can, like trying to get in to be like, I- "I'm here." And I'm watching this, and we couldn't get him in. We heard from Emilio. We heard he was there for a little bit, um, but we were mostly. And then we also couldn't find like last year they had a stream of the awards, and we couldn't find one this year. And we were like, at first only following on on like Kyle Buchanan's Twitter thread, and then like right at the beginning, basically we found a stream. So yeah, uh, the first awards that were given out, <laughs> Rossi Rossi De Palma was there. Um, giving out awards uh the short palm went to the water murmurs by jin yang chen uh the camera door and also that the camera door was the uh that that was the jury that rossi de palma was the president of um and then um the camera door and also previously the palm dog both went to war pony the Mm -hmm. uh film by riley ko and gina gamel uh, mm-hmm. And we're watching this. We're watching the awards. Those happen. We're all seeing that. And then... I, I will say briefly about War Pony. Uh, they, we'll, we'll talk about Armageddon time later because Amelia did see that. I feel like War Pony very quietly got the reception that we were worried Armageddon time might get, where like the European critics were like, "Ah, yes, so true." And the American critics were like, come on, no, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, um, but then the real award started. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember what the first one went to. The first one, they did actress, right? 
Yes, actress um, was theirs. Uh, and it went to Zara Amir Ibrahimi for Holy Spider, the Ali Abbasi movie. Did you see this one, Emilio? No, I did not. It was like I, I either watched that or RMN, and I decided to okay. watch RMN, and I maybe regretted it, mm-hmm. but I'll talk about RMN later. Sure, sure. Um, sure. There is an interesting thing about uh, that actress, which, like, we... Yeah. Th- there's no, like, English subtitles for uh, the stream. So we were just, like, yeah. seeing who won, and they would, like, talk... And they right. weren't speaking French. And wasn't it also when they would speak in English, they would dub it over? Or like yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And they weren't speaking yeah. French. You they would, would hear the French. first, like, three words that they um, said, and then you wouldn't be able to hear anymore. And she is, like, talking about um, her story, which there is, like, one interesting thing that I saw in this Twitter thread that she, like, was a, like, soap actor star, basically, and uh, soap opera actress uh, star. In Iran, right? Yeah, and there yeah. was, like, a scandal where she had, like, a sex tape leaked, and she, like, stepped back from acting, and there was, like, legal troubles with that, and she was basically, uh, or mostly just doing casting work in France, and then did this movie, like, as her comeback, and then she won the award, which is crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah, this movie, uh, we talked about it last week, it did, uh, it was acquired by uh our favorite upstart uh distributor utopia Mm. uh so uh interesting what that portends uh of course the we uh, see every everybody uh, all these years has been obsessed with vulgar art tourism and we still have not gotten ready for vulgar (laughs) distribution Uh, I mean, yeah. For context, it, 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 the other movies that Utopia, the infamous movies Utopia are distributing are... Uh, Vortex, The Scary of 61st, uh, they have The Other No Way 2, they've got Sharp Stick coming up. Let's go! Yeah. Right. Um, it's, uh, yeah. But then, the next one they did was Screenplay. Um, next mm-hmm. award. And this went to Tariq Sala for Boy From Heaven. Did you see this one, Emilio? No. Okay. Yeah. So then... The, the awards well, were no, really so also... He is, he, go ahead, Andy. It's just also, like, it's a weird ceremony. Because, like, they bring out a presenter to, like, present the award. Well, yeah, so there's right? the jury and off then, to the side. Yeah. Right? And they in have a, an, a, like famous a fancy person box. come out. As Virginia right. Fira is, like, introducing every famous right. person. And it seems like Virginia Fury was just on the stage the whole time as well. She, like, didn't... Yeah, she was, the like, the MC. Yeah, you know. she, had, she had her own podium. Yeah. Right. Other people so the famous person would come out, podium. speak for a moment at the podium about something. About, like, the I art guess, of, like, acting or whatever. And then yeah. they'd be like, okay. And then, then they turn to the jury back box. to the jury. And then Vincent Lindon <laughs> would Vincent Lindon would then say, I want this person to deliver yeah. the award. Yes. And then they would say who the winner was. And then the person who was presenting would, like, Make sure, I guess, they handled the re- award properly and everything. Well, I we'll guess. get to that. Like, which, yeah, which, yeah. <laughs> wasn't always the case. It didn't always happen. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh, and, yeah, like, I feel like it was not quite that, like, particular of a production that year. I feel like they, like, brought the famous person out, like, once or twice last year to help present. I think part of it might have been, like, there were still just a bunch of people around from the for seventy uh, fifth anniversary yeah, sure. celebration that they had, and they were just like, "We got to give these people something else to do." 
And yet nothing uh, for Andy McDowell, who was there. Who was there with <laughs> was crazy there. eye makeup. Um, yeah, I mean, this was like, I was like, oh, Andy McDowell's there. Uh, they uh, Stars at Noon was on the like list of movies that had been called back. I was like, well, yeah. Margaret Qualley's winning. Uh, didn't happen. Immediately didn't happen. There was all this drama with like, they do this like every year where it's like, these are the people they were like, come back for the awards. Who like got yeah. called yeah. back. Oh, it always leaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but, but it's like, it's not like, like Cam puts not, out a press release or I mean, whatever. No, 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 no. No, yeah. no one puts out a press release. But it was like, this time it was like 10 movies. Yeah. And it was like, 10 movies can't win awards. And then, yeah, and, uh, I but, can, and I can this, uh, this, this, you know, yeah. received, like, yeah. yeah. But, so, so then the next award was Best Actor. Um, mm-hmm. And this went to Song Kang Ho for Broker, which we talked about already, which is cool. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, good. I, I was I was just like wondering. I wonder how many times people have been on the jury and then won an award the next year. Um, so it happens in reverse more often, I think. Uh, uh, was the next prize the jury prize or the seventy fifth anniversary? I believe it was the jury okay. prize. So at this point in the, the Twitter 70th. space. I had to go because I was going to see the new <laughs> Top Gun. So I was no longer watching the stream. I was just refreshing Twitter constantly to see the new updates. And we're like... And of course, as soon as you left, what happened is that uh, Nicholas Winding Refn... I know! <laughs> I miss, I miss <laughs> this. Um, but so then the jury prize was a tie between... Mm-hmm. Our first v- tie. Yeah, uh, well... Yeah, I mean, you expect a tie to happen. There's yeah, always yeah. a tie. Uh, this is the tie. Um, and this was a tie between F- Felix Van Groningen and Charlotte Vandermeer's The Eight Mountains and our favorite, <laughs> EO, the Jersey Skomolowski mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, Eo. Be- before the uh, the leak, I was like, Eo's winning the poll. Yeah, I got a feeling. And my my happen. very broad predictions, where I was like, Lucas Daunt is gonna get something. I bo- I did say there would be no tie, um, <laughs> and then I also said, don't count out Eo. And Eo showed up. Eo should have won. Love the yeah. donkey. Eo should have won best actor. Honestly. <laughs> Emilio saw EO. Share some EO thoughts. Uh, EO's good. It was like a movie that I think suffered a little because I was a little sleepy going into it. But even that, even sure. like through the sleepiness, it like broke through and it was like probably the best competition movie I saw. I would say it's either that or Armageddon Time. I'll share my thoughts on Armageddon Time maybe mm-hmm. later. Um, yeah, it's like real interesting. It's doing a lot. Um, the donkey gives a good performance. It like looks really. It's like I keep talking about this, but there are legitimate shots where you you like look at the donkey and you're like, if that donkey like genuinely reacting to what is happening and like giving a performance, that's, this is like so crazy. Yeah. Um, and of course, yeah. There's so much like weird like use of like red lighting and like music and weird stuff like that. It's just like travel log a weird Isabel Hubert segment. It's just like kind mm-hmm. of like wonderful and interesting to watch <laughs> I, saw, yeah. I saw some yeah, people I saw the trailer. pretty good I saw some people conve- compare it to like um, Leviathan and stuff like that yeah I was getting mm. I, there's a trailer out that you can watch and I was getting that sort of vibe I was also uh, it looked very similar to 
post tenebrous looks to me the uh, Ray Goddess film because there's like um, these weird just by, just by like reputation that I think looks insane. I mean EO looks insane. Like EO is like kind of an insane like when you look at it, it's like doing a lot. Like I think people did like mm-hmm. the Malik comparisons, but honestly, it's mm-hmm. like. It, like, does have some, like, natural lighting, like, Malachy stuff, but it also is, like, going hard in a lot of different directions. Like, just, I haven't seen Mm post-Tenebrous Lux, but just by reputation, I think that is, like, might, it might be, like, a pretty accurate comparison for EO. Um, Like, I think that is a movie I think people will latch on to whenever it comes out here, and will, I think people will be excited to watch. I think it's, like, very good. And then did you see? Yeah, the, that's uh, a movie oh, that does. I was just gonna say that's a movie that does not yet have distribution that I would think probably will. But I'm curious to see who it will be. Uh, there's no one who's like obvious where I'm like, oh yeah, they'll pick up EO. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I I was saying before we recorded that that might be an interesting segment for like later this month uh, once we've got a little more distance from the festival and maybe a couple more movies have been picked up just like trying to find homes for the still undistributed movies. Yeah. And it's like I was unfam- completely unfamiliar with a Jerry... Oh god. I hit Jersey... Jerry's Skolomowski. Skolomowski. Yeah, His most recent movie uh, played at Venice and starred Vincent Gallo. But uh, I right. know that he's sort of been known as like sort of a bold experimenter for like his yeah. his entire career like uh, a David Lynch favorite apparently uh, one of his favorite filmmakers I guess he's on Twitter is he? Huh. E- yeah. e- 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 also- he gave a great acceptance speech. E- uh, yeah. e- uh-huh. maybe I think the most impressive no animals were harmed in the making of this movie credit at the, uh, I have <laughs> ever seen just, tr- just yeah. truly like I, I could not believe it but uh yeah, it was. Cause yeah, I was set. surprised. Uh, I was surprised when he walked up to accept it because I he hadn't been at the premiere, and I was just like, "Oh, is he too old to travel?" But nope, yeah. he showed up when he won an award. And yeah. he did the donkey he, noise, right? He went yep. at the very end. Yeah, he went ee or something yep, like that. That's like, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's weird he, that like, and he took his sweet ass time naming every single donkey who appeared yeah. in the film. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like the movie is called EO, but I think it was like originally called, and I think that they refer to the donkey in the movie as He Han, which is sure. uh, hmm. it's funny. It's just like a I mean, I think I've people. heard that like. Yeah, like, uh, like as it gets picked up in other countries, I have heard people be like, "Are they going to give it the auto- the onomatopoeia of what donkeys say in that country? Will it be called hee haw?" Maybe there is- be- that would be really funny. There, there, there would be all. Yeah, I think. <laughs> there. I mean, I think they can't because there was a show called hee haw. Yeah, right. Sure. That's why they should do it because it would be really <laughs> funny. Um, the thing, there is like a very like ve- like one of its opening shots is like this like insane like like shot from above of like a circle that like eventually like they use it to spell out EO as a credit. So I would be wondering like how much they would have to change, but uh, yeah. I don't know. Mm, people people should watch EO. It's great. Yeah, um, and you you didn't see the uh, the Green Mountains. No, the eight mountains. The eight mountains. Eight mountains. Sorry, sorry. I did not. That one was like very early in the festival. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's fine. And then Up next, next was the seventy-fifth anniversary, right? Mm-hmm. So this went to Tori and Lakita, the Darden brothers, 
they got something. Um, yeah, people thought they I were going to win the palm again. I um, thought that might happen. I, what I had been hearing was like it's going to be. I mean, this means nothing. But what I had been hearing was like it's going to be the Dardens, or it's going to be Dot, or it's going to be a mystery third movie. Right. Yeah. There was a third movie in. So this then, is. I guess I had heard maybe it was Holy Spider. That was also. This is where I start it. as I'm like in a car on the way to Top Gun, checking Twitter. This is where I'm, like, freaking out. Because we had the list of who was going to win something. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, like, only these movies are left. And, like, there's yes. only three awards left. And everyone... Yes. And so... It was... Yeah, it was uh, Decision to Leave, Stars at Noon... Um, close. Close, and Triangle of Sadness yes. for three awards. <coughs> so then... At this point. Uh, best Director happens. Yeah, and it goes which, to Park Chan Wook for Decision to Leave, which was my pick for Palm. Um, yeah, and I feel like of those four movies, the one that like most people would have been like, "Oh yeah, that's cool," would have been Decision to Leave. But like, also just like an obvious thing to give Park Chan Wook a directing award. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I mean that one. You didn't see this one, Amelia? No, that was a very hard ticket. People yeah, yeah, really, yeah. Um, really trying to get into that one. So then I'm like, holy shit, holy shit. <laughs> I don't know what the vibe of the Twitter space is like at this time, but I'm just like... We were just like, oh, okay, so close is going to win. <laughs> and then <laughs> they announce uh, the Grand Prix goes to yep. close, and everyone... So this was announced in a... Wow. Yeah, it was announced in a strange way, because yeah. it... The the jury prize, a single person had said, this is a tie between, um, uh, the two, between EO and the Eight Mountains. Right. But this time, Ajgar Farhadi says, the Grand Prix goes too close. And then someone else, I forget who, was like, and also the stars yeah. at noon. Which is, right. which was crazy. Because everyone was and like, was, yeah. Absolute chaos. Yeah, unclear yeah. what had happened. Uh, everyone uh-huh. it was, and it was unclear who like was gonna get to the stage first, and like mm-hmm. it was just wild. Claire so, yeah, Denis makes crazy, it up like, first. Oh yeah, everyone was like, yeah. the word was so bad on Stars at Noon that like as soon as it won, uh, everyone was like, what? <laughs> and I was just, I like, mean, this- I already by that point, I think had kind of gotten the vibe of like. Okay, interesting people think this movie is interesting. Well, sure. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying, like, work. <laughs> sure, general like, reaction. Did, yeah, um, in many circles, was trash. But I was like, because Lindon was the president, right? Obviously, that's what there's it was. a close. Right. I was it like, was holy like, shit, is she gonna he... get the palm? <laughs> this is so crazy. Her first time. Right. It certainly yeah. seemed like she might get the palm. <laughs> would have been really funny. Yeah, yeah. We hit a point where it was like, is she gonna win? Which would have been. Crazy. We forgot, I don't think we've mentioned yet that there was another bit of uh, Vincent Lindon potential conflict of interest, which is that uh, his daughter uh, is in the uh, Valeria Bruni Tedeschi film, uh, but it was then also uh, pointed out that in the credits, his daughter, uh, Suzanne Lindon, is credited as Waitress. So sure. that was perhaps not a positive. Uh, uh, sure. I think I then heard that, like, whether or not it had anything to do with, like, her role in it, he did hate that movie. My other mm. prediction, like, broad prediction, was that a first-time 
palm winter would happen. It wouldn't be a repeat because there was like a lot of people that like the Dardens and then Oslin, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, so Claire Denis goes up and apparently gives a speech so long that people start booing and she takes <laughs> yes. the French award. French press off. starts booing her. Yeah, she grabs the award off Great. the podium and walks away. So when Lucas yeah. Dot gets up there, there's yes. no. Uh, With, award, yeah. so Javier Bardem yeah. has to and now get I the award. Yeah. Now, I think this was just done confusingly, because I later hear, I later heard that Jersey Skolomowski had also done the same thing. Sure, sure. <laughs> but, yeah, everyone was like, I mean, yeah, I think it's clear yeah. that, yeah, people don't know what to do if they win in a tie. Like, they don't yes. know how to do it. Like, I mean, so, I'll, yeah. I'll say this I mean, just like, uh, they, generally about the Cannes Film Festival. Top to bottom does not seem like the most efficiently run organization, but we can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll maybe get more of uh, yeah general can thoughts from Emilio. But yeah, and then this combo. at this point we all knew that Oslin was gonna win the Palm, which is crazy. And like even as a square hater, I'm like this movie might be good, especially now that he's like the version that played at Cannes uh, that was two and a half hours long, the version that will play that Neon bought the movie. Uh, the version that will play in theaters is longer <laughs> and and richer. and richer, yes. And he also uh, led the uh, can crowd in a primal scream after he won, which was really stupid Ugh. and I thought was really yeah. funny. Which he also did after he won for the square. Well, yeah, yeah. It's just his thing, I guess. But okay. uh, great. It was just it was really funny. Like Mark Rylance reading a poem when he wins a Tony Award, reciting a poem. Hmm. But, yeah, but I was I was freaking out. I was like, "Holy shit, he get yeah. it again!" He was really excited. He uh, sure, seemed, you know, pumped of course to win the Palm d'Or for the second time. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I don't yeah, know. Those are the awards. I'm excited for that yeah, movie. Those are the I think awards. It sounds good. Yeah, I'll watch it. I I still don't know uh, if I'm gonna see it. Um, I'll watch it. It probably just it probably just depends on like how wide distribution Neon gives it because like I'm not gonna prioritize it over like things I actually want to see at a festival. So it's just a matter of my like, guess is it'll get as wide a release as Teton did, like sure. Which like Teton I saw at TIFF, so sure, I I, I don't I know if I would. I I mean I don't know. I also like I. I don't like Raw, but I like it better than I like uh, The Square. Uh, and I guess about the same as Force Majeure. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm just like, sure, give it to him again, it was whatever. Also pointed out that this is the third year in a row that Neon has won the Palm. Yeah, um, and then if you go back before that, it's two uh, Magnolias, including... Uh, the square, and then if you go back before that, it's two IFCs, so that's three distributors in seven years. I think you can go back two more years, and that's only one more distributor, because Winter Sleep was, like, some defunct distributor, and then, uh, Blue is the Warmest Colors, also IFC. Yeah. Sure. Um... So, but, like, obviously, these are not... It doesn't... It's weird to, like, think about what that means, because, like... Right, because they buy them, like, at the festival. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I think the only exception is that Neon produced Titan. Yeah, yeah. Neon funded And, like, maybe Titan. some of them... Yeah. Yeah. It'll be nice to see the Triangle Sentence Criteria next year. <laughs> yeah. Has Titan been announced yet? 
Probably not yet. It'll probably be announced yeah. as like a winter title. Maybe, Maybe. early next I year. I mean, you know, worst person in the world already, yeah, yeah, already in there. Got there. Yeah. I am like, come on, Neon has. They should be able to make their own Blu-ray. Yeah, I mean, I like. we don't but, need to get into like the weird sort of yeah. I guess criterion like only yes, putting out new movies now no, let's not um, have that conversation yeah amelia what what else happened for you at can <laughs> yeah talk to us about being at can <laughs> um i guess there are movies that we just didn't touch on that uh should, sure. should... that we did like yeah. last week yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that you saw let me see what i had else did i see i saw i guess i saw rmn the right, right. the moonju moon movie um how was that not a fan, I'd say. I don't think it's, like, very bad. I think it is just a movie that is, like, too caught up in its own discourse. I feel it, it just sort of sometimes feels like it's trapped in talking points rather than being, like, a movie about, like, characters and people, like, living and talking and figuring stuff out. Like, it's this movie mm-hmm. about a guy who, like, this Romanian guy who, like, works in Germany, he, like, loses his job in Germany because he gets, like, called a gypsy. So he, like, punches the guy in the face and, like, has to go back to his home country. And in his home country, he, like, struggles to get jobs and eventually at a local factory run by a person he used to date. They bring in these... Uh, this is, like, a bread factory. They bring in these Sh- Sri Lankan Im- immigrants to, like, work the factory because nobody from the town in Romania wants to work there and basically this gets the entire the all of the citizens of the town in Transylvania and like a huff about like why are the immigrants coming here to like take our jobs and like all that kind of stuff and it just because and it like basically plays out in the series of uh arguments like there's these two the two big like set pieces I guess if you want to call them in the movie are like these two like they basically do these two town hall meetings, like one at a church and one at a cultural center uh, that basically take place as just like one long unbroken shot of just a bunch of different people in the crowd standing up and giving the, their opinion, which is like, it's interesting formally, but again, it's just like a bunch of people being like, well, I don't like the immigrants and they're dirty. And then another person be, like giving them the counterpoint of just like well if you don't want to do the job then why do like then who are we going to get to do the job then it just like it all just feels so i don't know like i feel like you could just you could just take the you could just like take real town hall meetings happening in real life and you could film them in like a in like a documentary and you would probably have about the same thing but at least with like the interest of verisimilitude and this is just like it feels too like forced and put together and you never like really get a feeling like the ending is the most interesting thing about it but the ending is just sort of like just it comes in a little too late for me to think it's like that interesting I did hear like uh, Jordan Cronk and uh Divika Garish talk about it in the film comment podcast mm-hmm. and uh, when I ag- sort of agree with like Kronk's thoughts on it which is like it feels like almost every other director of the Romanian New Wave has sort of like found a new lane within themselves to like be mm-hmm. a little subversive or be a little funny or be a little different about yeah. the way that they approach these like sort of similar like very 
dry approach to topics and i feel like moon is still wrapped up in a sincerity that just like isn't doing him this good if he's just gonna be this suffocating about those humanity of the people he's he's deciding to depict yeah having not seen any of his movies he has his like position within the romanian new wave has always uh baffled me a little bit Uh, i also thought uh lawrence garcia's uh, like he he wrote about it as part of his movie coverage and also uh, posted that excerpt on Letterboxd. I thought that, despite being brief, was like an interesting appraisal both of the movie and of uh, his position in that movement. I think he liked it a bit more than you did. Yeah, that's fair. I can see people liking it. It's just. Uh... Sometimes argument the movie like these can just like rub me the wrong way mm-hmm. and I just uh I just did not have that much patience for it by the end. It's like a lot of the scenes I I, I talked to another person about it. They sort of feel like the third act of Bad Luck Manging or Looney Porn but done completely straight. <laughs> sure. Um mm-hmm. well um what else? How was you Willow the Wisp, the Joao Pedro Rodriguez film, or Rodriguez film. Okay, so that is the first movie I watched at Cannes. I did not know anything about the director going in. I do know that some people are familiar with like some of his previous work. Uh, he yeah, did, his uh, last movie, The Ornithologist, the Ornithologist I thought I, was very good. Yeah, yeah. And then he also did To Die Like a Man, which we talked about a bit on one of our 2009 episodes. Yeah. yeah um... It's a lot. I liked it. Some people were like over the moon with it. It's a movie that's taking a lot of swings, so I can see that. I uh, was sort of left like a little colder on it than some because it's just like my description of it. It's sort of, it sort of like feels like a four-hour epic that you then cut off everything but like the bookends out of. Where it there, it's like there's like a beginning and there's like a beginning, a little bit of a middle, and then just an end because it's like sixty-seven minutes long. Yeah, it's like has this broad satirical premise about like it's this guy who basically he's basically he's basically the prince of Portugal that he eventually this he decides that he wants to like combat climate change and to be like a person of the people he wants to like become a firefighter and like fight fires and like has arguments with like his royalty parents about it and then goes on to do it and then within them there like finds himself like having sex with other firefighters like finding relationships with these people like do like there's interesting stuff about race there is like some musical sequences within it there's like some singing some dancing and i don't know it's funny it's like very funny and it's funny in a very like european way where there's like there where there's just like people making references to like the Paris Accords or whatever that like killed in the theater and I was like oh I guess that's funny (laughs) but uh yeah it's good I think the lead actor is like giving a very good performance and it's fun Uh, I guess I I, yeah he gives a he gives a very good performance and uh it's like it's like pretty good. I think people should check it out. I have no idea whether it has distribution or not. It seems like a movie. I don't. I don't think it does. Um, I feel like he's maybe someone. Uh, Strand. I think is like. I know they put out the ornithologist, and I think they put out 
several of his movies, and I think he just, like, fits in their niche very well, so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. If they... I, I, I was, like, wondering if they were still, like, operating post-pandemic, but they seem like they're coming back. They have the Serebrennikov from last year. If, it's like I guess will come out at some point like this. Summer, it's like probably. very explicit sexually. It's like very like spit in your yeah. face, like uh, make fun of you, the audience satire. So it's like it does. Mm-hmm. It does need to like be distributed by a very specific platform where yeah. it's just like yeah, this is a very specific tone and pitch. But I think it's funny, and I think it's worth checking out for sure. All right. Well, how was Armageddon Time? Armageddon Time. Armageddon Time is maybe the movie I go back and forth the most about from Cannes. I think it's good. How good is it? Is sort of, I don't know. It's sort of impossible to tell. It's uh, <laughs> it's obviously this movie about James Gray's childhood and about like his relationship to this black kid at who he meets at this public school who they like get into a lot of trouble and eventually James Gray's like insert character is sent to like this big fancy private school that is like a lot of it is funded by the Trumps and uh, you see how his life goes in a certain direction and the other kid's life goes in a separate direction and I was honestly I I was like very skeptical of that premise because I was like I don't know like how potent this is gonna be i feel like these movies about people's childhood they're always weird i don't know about these this kid acting stuff <laughs> i think the kid acting's fine i don't know i don't think either of the kids are like great but they like work i think james gray i think does manage to have more of a pov on like who he was as a kid and like how that affected certain things and like the sort of weird residual guilt he th- feels about these things as a child and like most of these like directors making movies about their childhoods like he that his that his character is not just like a pov self-insert thing uh and we're back uh-huh. uh the classic and we're back <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think we're gonna uh wrap up uh i do have a yes or no question just to wrap up armageddon right. time and that's all quick. we want we don't want any elaboration yeah uh the question is is Jessica Chastain good in it? Wow. Huge facial reaction from Emilio. <laughs> <laughs> He's really thinking it through. He's only allowed to say one only word. yes or no. <laughs> He's only allowed to say one word. <laughs> I am going to choose to interpret the question the most literal uh, the most literal way possible <laughs> and you ask if is Jessica Chastain good so i'm going to say yes great okay great i i cannot elaborate right. so i guess i will not say anymore yep <laughs> all right um and then yeah the other movie that you saw is uh, the me handsome love which i know you thought was very good so I bet there will be occasion. Yep, I bet there will be occasion to talk about that film on this podcast at some point in the future. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like as far as like the rest of the festival, I do. I feel like um, the like consensus on on certain regard was that it was like 
very good all around, even, like, the only... I, th I think we talked about Godland, that it maybe just premiered. That was the only, like, huge standout, but I feel like that was, like, a lot of movies that people thought were pretty good. Director's Fortnite, it sounded like, was also good, as was kind of expected, just, like, looking at the lineup. Um... Oh, uh, we, the other acquisition that uh, we didn't mention is that A24 also bought After Sun, which I think was seen as kind of a, a front-runner for the camera door, uh, the Charlotte Wells film uh, that Paul Mescal is in, just like a British movie about sad British people, it sounds like, uh, but that was very well-liked by many. Um... But yeah, I think that's a, you know, it's not a wrap on Cannes. We're going to keep talking about Cannes. More of us will see these movies. There'll maybe just be, like, different things that uh, come out about the festival. Sometimes there's more gossip about the jury. I didn't catch the, uh, the like, post-awards uh, conference, press conference that the jury did. I know I, the two big things... Well, there there were a few things I heard. I, I, one was that they uh, filibustered for the whole time and did not take any questions. Um, they did also... Um, uh, Numi Rapace mentioned that uh, an unnamed member of the jury walked out of EO and said, Wow, that must be a new young director. Um... <laughs> Which I think the point was just that it is a very energetic movie, uh, but sure. did make people be like, who doesn't know who Jersey Skolomowski is that was on the can jury? Which is a little right. silly. Um, uh, and then the other thing was that uh, Lindon uh, said something that we had already heard from Emilio, which is that uh, often after screenings he would uh, go to Joaquim Trier and ask him what he had thought of the film. Uh, which was just fun that we had heard that, and then he said it. Sure. Great. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, that's, that's it for very, today. Very, yeah. Should we yep. do a very quick special presentations round? Yeah, quick special present. I mean, you know, yeah, let's do quick special presentations. I can start, uh, I've been seeing a lot of stuff at AFI lately. They've had, uh, like a good... I think they've kind of been, like, catching up on restorations that happened during the pandemic that they didn't get to show, uh, but this doesn't, it was part of that series, but doesn't really fit, both because it's pre-pandemic and not a normal restoration, which is The Other Side of the Wind, which I didn't see just because it wasn't in theaters when it came out, uh, but it's so, so good, yeah. uh, really good, I love it, um, you know. If you can, if you happen to be able to see it in a theater, uh, wonderful experience. But like, also, I, you know, I had been putting off watching it on Netflix, and it's worth doing. Yeah, great. Uh, I will just shout out: uh, Girls Five Eva has been back for its second season. Peacock's really not promoting it very well. You can't even like the, the songs on Apple Music and Spotify. I don't think right now. Uh, which is a real shame because they've been a lot of fun. The most recent episode to air as we record, although one more will be out when this episode comes out, so two episodes ago, uh, is really, really good. And Daniel Breaker in particular is really funny in it. 
Uh, so strong recommend on continuing to check in on Girls Five Eva. Andy oh, Peacock's Girls Five Eva. <laughs> um, yeah, I watched uh, a Dangerous Method yesterday as we're recording this, and I think uh, mm-hmm. I had watched and talked about Crash. Uh, the Cronenberg film and how I thought it was incredible and uh, I think really went long on how much or how good I think uh, Elias Cotes is in it and I had also, I don't know if I talked about it but a few months ago uh, sometime last year I watched Maps of the Stars uh, Cronenberg's film and yeah, I mean, great. went crazy for that one as well and then yeah, this one I so think good. is his best movie and probably the best movie I've seen oh. this year uh, just oh. fully uh, I was losing my mind at how, like, it's got this arrhythmic quality to the editing and the formalism and, like, people reference all the time how he does these crazy <coughs> crazy uh, split diopter shots instead of using, like, traditional shot reverse shot. And it is, like, very disarming. And Kira Knightley is giving an insane performance, yeah. but also just... Like, it's, like, unbelievable to see what she does. Uh, and I think Vigo is, like, very restrained and, like, maybe the best he's ever I, uh, been. I said I wouldn't talk anymore, but uh, what you're describing Kira Knightley as I think people aren't ready for in crime, uh, for Kristen Stewart in Crimes of the Future, which I did see, but I forgot to talk about. Okay. Oh. Wow. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Yeah, I've, I've heard that a little, too. Yeah. Uh, but it's just um, incredible. Howard Shore's score for it is, like, the best film score um, of its decade, probably next to like the Greenwood Phantom Thread score for me. Uh, I really don't like have too much good to say about it. I was like incredibly struck by it. It's just so good. And it, it was like this, there's so much to it and it is like jumping around so much and uh, it ended and I was like, it's over. Like, like it has like a very um purposeful ending but it is like 96 minutes long and i was like oh my god like this felt so massive but it's so uh mm-hmm. like deceptively slight i guess but it's just incredible yeah uh, did you say the title of this movie? yeah yeah a dangerous method okay great i said it at the yeah. beginning do you have anything quickly Emilio, or uh uh, Andrew T. Sounded is in the new Kelly Reichardt movie. People should, people should listen to the song Life of the Party off of Donda, which Andre T. Sounded had the verse at the beginning of. I think that's the only good song from Donda. Uh, that's all I'll say. Great. All right. Uh, well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. You can, there, there's lots of ways to follow us online. You can follow us on Twitter at Can I Kick It? Uh, on Letterboxd or Instagram at C-I-K-I-Pod. Uh, if you're enjoying it, you can email us at Can I Kick It Pod. We would love to, like, if you have more in-depth thoughts, we, we are happy to respond uh, or hear your comments. Um, uh, if you're enjoying the show, or even if you aren't, uh, donate to us on uh, coffee uh, ko-fi.com yeah. slash can I uh, if yeah if you C-A-N-N-E-N. donate you don't have N-N-E-N. to listen anymore <laughs> yeah
<laughs> I mean, if you if you uh, specify that you want us to quit, well, 5, maybe recurring. I don't know. We'd have to <laughs> recurring five thousand dollar donation. We'd have to talk about what the number is to make that an official offer. Sure. Um, but yeah, why don't um, you give it a try and see if you hit it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, that's an interesting uh, perspective. Great. Like, if great. you hate the show, um, I say if you donate five thousand dollars, we'll quit. <laughs> no. Uh. Uh. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Thank you to Tree Related. Um. For our theme song, uh, whose music you can find on Spotify or SoundCloud. I guess. I, uh, I, I feel like we should say next week. Yeah, Big episode, I, if we can find thousand, uh-huh. I'll quit. It's can blockbusters. You know them, you love them. We tweeted out a cryptic uh, image puzzle game. Uh, I mm-hmm. think maybe we will tweet out the actual list uh, around the time this episode <laughs> let's, let's, drops. So if you want to catch up on any, will of them. any of us be alive to record it? Who knows? But yeah, that's coming down the pike. So yeah, we're uh, yeah, get excited. Uh, yeah, do we do? Uh, do we want to share our personal social media still? Yep, I'm at Andy T. Germ. <laughs> I'm left alone on Twitter. I'm I left alone, alone on Letterboxd. Uh, yeah. JP, JCP, Glick Weber. Maybe. Weber has two Bs. Uh, and yeah, with that, I'll go ahead and release our audience. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>